ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. At Delta, we know Mike in 8C prefers reality TV to reality. So we provide more than 1,000 hours of in-flight entertainment. On the next flight, 8C is Mandy, a foodie. So we offer all types of food options. Because at Delta, everyone flies their own way. Delta, keep climbing. All right, Marie, I need a lot of understanding and zero judgment. Okay? That's how we operate. This is safe space, right? Okay, okay, okay. So, <laughs> this is, yeah, no judgment, complete understanding. I, I caved very recently on something, and I want to show you what it was, and I just, I can't, oh, ooh. Donna, yeah, Donna. It's the Stanley. No. It's the Stanley water you bottle. Did it. I, I can't. He turned into a dad, and he caved the first time he saw the Stanley ad on Instagram. I know. I, I've been fighting it for so long, and I was like, there's no way I'm going to like this. And then I put ice in it. I put the straw in it. I took a sip and I was like, yeah, okay, this is me. This is my identity now. And this is another episode of For the Love of Sport. So I'm, I'm going to my nephew's T-ball game. Mm. Prime time, Monday night. Ooh, yeah. Monday night fresh seems like it's, yeah. you know, fresh <laughs> off the weekend, prime time, prime time slot. Yep. So are you bringing, what's your, this is like, what's my go-to? I feel like this sure. is another question here that I have for people. What's the, what's your go-to like seating, ar- seating arrangement? What okay. kind of chair are you bringing? Are you bringing a beverage? Are you having a snack? Yep. All right. What's the vibe? What are you going with? These are great questions. They're key questions. I think every one of our listeners yeah. wants to hear this and we should throw this out as a debate uh, in addition. Uh, my go-to is... The foldable chair. Mm. You can't beat a foldable chair. And what comes to mind is the guy who just has one and he snaps it open real quickly. Mm-hmm. Just yeah, exactly. Sits it down. Whips it out. Yeah. That's what I wish I could do every time. Yeah. Uh, and I think my go-to weirdly is goldfish. If I'm not playing, you know what I mean. Especially if I'm just sitting and watching, I'm gonna go goldfish. Sure. Um, because then I can share that out with my nephew if he comes up and he says hi, Uncle Simon. Snacking goldfish. Um, and I can say yeah, yeah, absolutely, be a goldfish. There you go. Sure. <laughs> Have a goldfish, kiddo. I'm secretly <laughs> 70 years old, dear listener. And then I had Werther's Originals too. <laughs> I Listen, my grandma had those. Do not sleep on Werther's Originals. They are fantastic. Doesn't matter your age. I, th- I was probably going through like 20 of those in a night when I slept That's over so my many. grandma's at like age seven. That's so many so. Sponsor us, Werther's. <laughs> the hard candy of youth sports. What about you? What's your go-to? Are you hitting the bleachers? Are you grabbing a folding chair? What's up? Oh gosh, no. I'm a so I'm I'm usually the folding chair, like you said, but I actually recently invested in a nicer little fold yeah. fold chair. It's a little lower to it's the ground. It's tactical, yeah. And so it yeah. almost creates a recline, a recline. You can put mm-hmm. your feet like feet out. <laughs> right. <laughs> you're it's, it's a little odd because if you're sitting with people who are higher than you, you're just kind of like, hey, how's it going? <laughs> <laughs> Don't mind me, but I love it. It's very comfortable. I uh, am a big fan of it. So I did that. Um, snack wise, hmm. gosh, sure, that's a good question. I feel like you got to just channel the inner 
the inner child when you go to like use sports and it's like fruit snacks. Great call. Are always good. Can't go wrong with fruit snacks. You really can't go wrong with that. So I'll go fruit snacks, I guess. Sure. I'm kind of like a sweet tooth person. So let's go those. That's a great lineup. You can't lose. Yeah. You're in for a great time. No matter if your team wins or loses or ties or whatever it is. I mean, that's and some comfortable folding chairs. It's great. And not to do some bleachers. Bleachers are great. Sure. Especially if you have the little rubber mats, the seats. Stadium chairs. What yeah. are, the stadium chairs. Yes. Thank you so much. Um, so why I bring it up, and this is why I was thinking about, you know, going to my nephew's T-ball game because he's starting this U sports journey and it's, it's awesome. It's amazing. And, you know, hopefully my kid will play sports. We will definitely advocate for that. There you go. Um, there you go. But what comes to mind, especially as he starts this journey and it's not my place to give advice, but if I were to give advice, that's going to manifest and hopefully, you know, be a great foundation to build upon who's starting this journey, what should it be? And at this point I get an email from my dad, like he heard me just on the wind and he sent me an article uh, from uh, from the New York Times. And by the way, I would say, yeah, I ne- this needs to be pointed out. That Simon did share this with me. And it was <laughs> at first I was quite confused at what he was sharing with me. And then I realized some context clues that this was from his dad and how he addressed it was very adorable. Yeah. He called him Psy Guy. And I was just a big fan. So mm. I wanted to make sure the people the, the people out there knew. Uh, at first I was like SI guy and I was like, who, what's happening here? And I put it all together. Carry on. Yeah. Why is he saying yes in Spanish before guy? guy. That doesn't make sense. Yes guy. Uh, no, he sent me this excerpt from the New York times article. Uh, and it was the Kelsey brothers, uh, um, Jason and Travis, and they have a great platform itself. Uh, but they talked about, you know, good advice and it's a great reflection of humility and character. And I think it was Jason that remembers what his former Eagles defensive coordinator, Jim Schwartz, conveyed, that the best players in the league aren't necessarily the most skilled or the smartest, but the ones who are the most honest with themselves. Mm. And then there was a, the reaction to that. Uh, I imagine that's true across all professions. And it's true. I, I, that's got to be some of the best advice out there if you're going to give someone that's going to start, that's so simplistic, that can hopefully just like really blossom into a great, playing career, just being honest. Uh, that goes to the rules. It goes to your abilities. It goes to, you know, knowing what your shortcomings are and where you can improve and, and, and that being honest, not trying to be frustrated. It's just an area to work on. I think it's just fantastic and wonderful advice that you can just use and grow upon. Mm-hmm. It's a solid foundation. I think we both can think of times when we were playing U sports where we were not oh. honest. <laughs> Yeah. Maybe we were A, not honest, and two, we witnessed someone not being honest and how it can really yeah. leave an indelible mark in your mind. Yeah. I mean, 100%. I, I can even like reflect when I would when I would coach and it's kind of twofold. Like it definitely touches on the athletes for sure, mm-hmm. the most coachable and like most, um, you know, easy yeah. to play with and communicate with. We're always the folks that like, they knew when something went right and they also, you know, understood when they did something wrong and they didn't deflect on it. But I would also say that, um, it's such an important thing with like with parents as well. Like just be Mm -hmm. honest about where your kid's at. Um, they are all on different growth trajectories. Um, be just 
accept where they're at and make sure they're having fun and provide them an environment to do that. And the rest kind of work itself out at the end of the day. So let's bring in our guest who I'm sure is a huge fan of honesty that we got to chat with at the United Soccer Coaches Conference. And uh, he's a big deal, I'd say. He's a big deal. It kind of felt, in my opinion. yeah. I was like, when we <laughs> when he agreed to, to be on uh, and talk with us, it was like, oh, yeah. Okay. Like, we can do this. We'll yeah. be ready. Uh, yes, of course. Yeah, 100%. No, it was really great to sit down and, <laughs> and chat with him. And I've said it a few times of people that you hear their name and you, you're like, oh my gosh, you're like, wow, how, how exciting. This person's, you know, doing so much and making such an impact. And then when you sit down and have a conversation with them, they're, you know, just a, yeah. another human being on this planet, just trying to do their part to, to make whatever their, you know, passion or specialty is in life a little bit better. So it was, it was really cool to sit down with him. I hope, I hope our dear listener enjoys the conversation. So with that, let's, uh, let's get to it. All right. Welcome everyone. We have Skip Gilbert with us, and this is a good one. He is the CEO of U.S. Youth Soccer, which is the largest soccer organization in the U.S. Before Skip was leading USYS, he enjoyed a very successful playing career with the Tampa Bay Rowdies, which is, I think, my personal favorite That might name be the of, best name yes, of a team 100%. ever. Uh, on U.S. Olympic development teams, and he trained with Sheffield United for a stint as well. Outside of his playing career, he is also a licensed coach. So he's got, he's kind of got it all. He does. Some would say. Certifications Some on might certifications. Say that. <laughs> uh, Skip, yeah, Skip <laughs> has always had a passion for sports, and he's served in leadership roles uh, with USADA and across a couple other NGBs. Um, so with that, Skip, welcome. Thanks for joining us. Welcome to the For the Love of Sport podcast. We're so happy that you were able to join us today and happy you're here. And yeah, let's talk about the Rowdies for a quick second. I know. Because did they, how did they, did the fans take that very seriously? Like <laughs> if we are cheering for the Rowdies, we are going to really bring a lot of energy. The, the fans were rabid. Um, it was just a fun experience. Yeah. The And so was the stadium, because I've been to the current Tampa Bay Rowdy Stadium. Was it in, in a similar place? Or is that brand new? No, that's a, okay. the, the current Rowdies have a new way back in the NASL days. Yeah. We played at the some what we called the Sombrero. Okay. <laughs> um, it oh was 80,000 seats. So, you know, back then, we, if we got 17,000 people coming to a game, that's, which was a good crowd, sure. that's pretty good. It was like playing in a scrimmage because the stadium is yes. massive. Way too big. Yeah. It just, you know, again, it made it very difficult. Yeah. And coming from the Northeast where I used to go to the Cosmos games and see 70,000 people in the stands. Yeah. You yep. kind of go, Hey, where the heck is everybody? <laughs> yeah. Wait a second. The game's at seven, <laughs> right? This <laughs> isn't the way it's supposed to be. Right on. I love the, the tagline. Soccer's a kick in the grass. What a, what a fantastic way to really get people in. Well, again, welcome. Thank you, Thank you so much uh, for being here. You know, you were very passionate about the beautiful game and you've dedicated you know life to a growth i wonder if you can just uh, you know talk to us a little bit about just the, the state of usys right now and what you're looking forward to maybe in, in 2023 sure you know and that's a um, a very loaded question <laughs> very, it's a very loaded question you know from our standpoint the state of soccer in the united states is incredibly strong you know right. is it's also fractionalized that most people in soccer realize there are a number of different sanctioning bodies usys is yep. one of them and arguably the mm -hmm. largest um going from the very grassroots nature of kids that you know want to just kick it in the grass um, and will be diverted by watching the butterflies go by <laughs> to those that ultimately want to play for their country or play professionally here or somewhere around the world. So all of our focus is to be able to support whatever the dream is of the player 
and sort of the constituents that go with it. You've got the player, you've got the coach, the club administrator, the referees, the parents. And one of the new segments are trying to stay connected to alum to keep them connected to the youth space. So there's a lot of different things that are going on. But knowing that 2023 is a pivotal year because we just came out of one could argue one of the best MLS cups in history. Oh my! One of the best World Cups finals in history. So there's this momentum, and you look at the women's game. You know the phenomenal success it had over in Europe this last summer with some of the European championships, which were outstanding. The NWSL is really getting into its groove. So the sport is really firing on all cylinders, and it almost has to because in less than four years, the world is going to look at the United States. And the, the World Cup is coming. And so we have, you know, as, as I think Cannon and Andre Agassi used to say, you only have one chance to make a good perception. And, you know, you this is our time to get things right so that leading up to the World Cup, we have everything moving in the right direction. So the legacy will be monumental. You know, and again, I go back to the Rowdies days when I was sitting in the locker room and the press and the coaches are saying we're the next wave of American great players. And we're all sitting back going, this is absolutely outstanding. And within a year, the NASL folded. So, you know, we have to make sure we've got everything right. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think having the World Cup here, I don't even know if people fully understand what that's going to mean. I think like a lot of people who are here understand what it means, but it's it's just this once in a lifetime moment where it's this massive, it's bringing the world to us. And it's just, you know, I'm, yeah, it's, that's one it's thing super about, cool. I know it's true. It's one thing about the World Cup coming here is that's so important is that if people are like passively into soccer, yeah. they have no choice but to get into it because of how many people are going to be coming and going to these stadiums and people all just get a ticket to the to a, to a game. No, you won't. <laughs> like these things sell out way in advance. So having this come here is so amazing. And you talk about, I mean, creating a legacy and like the upcoming challenge of that with the World Cup. Um, I, I'm wondering if you can, you can talk to us about... <laughs> I think of legacy and I think of just kind of where you've been and kind of coming from here. If we can backtrack just slightly and then we'll continue with our conversation with 2023 and beyond. Can you talk to me about just your own youth sport experience? What it was like back in the day, what you played, was it always soccer? Were there other things that you hopped into as a kid? No, I I grew up multi-sport. You know, I played baseball, I ran track, played soccer, hit tennis a little bit. Uh, So, you know, you kind of went season by season. Right. Uh, And it wasn't until probably... I think seventh grade when the soccer bug really hit me, you know, I was a forward by trade and before practice, I used to love to just jump in the goal (laughs) and play. And back when I was a, you know, whatever, a seventh grader, I was not a, a tall person. You know, I was, I was rather short and, but in goal, I, did you know i played you know again it was before or after right. practice where one game our goalkeeper who was about six feet for a you know an eight eight year old or an eight seventh grade team just watch a ball go in over his head and i'm standing up at the four you know at the center circle sure. about to kick off and the coach goes hold on skip <laughs> you're in goal and i never looked back oh and that wow. was the start and so at that point every other sport started to take a back seat because the love i had for that discipline of goalkeeping you know really took hold and i just you know i, I still played other sports but nothing aside. No, yeah nothing like love for that game so for, for just one second can i get a quick high five as a goalkeeper to goalkeeper outstanding <laughs> cool okay go on Maria. Yeah, I, I had to do that no had- you're good i feel like it's a little rare that i was a forward where like 
from scoring goals to being like switching to goalkeeper, I, it, I feel like that probably doesn't happen a lot, but I had no choice. I was the youngest of three boys. They were so like, you're getting goal. goals. I mean, you're, 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 you're fine. Goal. You're- so you, you talk about, obviously you played a lot of sports until you found your passion with soccer, which I feel like a lot of, you know, that's very common for kids. They'll play a lot and then you'll just naturally gravitate towards one and find a real love for it. Do you guys, um, you know, at us soccer, obviously you're trying to grow the game of soccer. How do you approach, uh, kind of that dynamic of wanting to make sure kids get an experience to have multiple sports, but also like if they are ready to really commit themselves to soccer, having avenues for both of those types of players. Cause you know, that's really how you, how you grow the game, being able to have programming and options for every single kind of kid that would want this type of experience versus the ones who you're saying are eventually going to be on the professional and, you know, elite levels. And that's the inherent challenge because in the past, the light went on as you entered your teenage years. Today, parents and clubs are trying to force the issue early. You know, and I walk around at, you know, you go into parks and you see eight-year-olds with a soccer tutor. You know, parents have hired people to actually spend one-on-one time with their eight-year-old. I was at a, I was at a cocktail party in Connecticut when we lived up there and a woman heard of my background, came up to me and said, please watch my son who is running across the yard. And she said, do you think he has what it takes to be a professional soccer player? And I almost wanted to just walk away and just never come back. Like, wait, I, I thought, need to grab one more drink and then we can possibly do that. But that is the, it, it's the zeal that parents bring to the table, you know, and it's something that we have to almost, it's a behavioral modification. But again, you look at today, I mean, what happened at, with us soccer and the national team and the Renyas, I mean, yep. those are parents that if they were any other individuals would have been chastised tremendously for stepping in and saying, sure. my kid deserves sure. more playing time, yeah. you know? And so it's a, it's an interesting dynamic that, you know, the pay to play model has left the station. We're never going to get rid of that. The charge that I'm seeing we're we're really focused on is what is the alternative programming? You know, if you look at education, it's pay to educate. There are parents that have the means they're going to send their kids to private school or, you know, to an Ivy league school. I mean, I've got two in Ivy leagues and we're happy to pay that, but there has to be a public. I went to a public university. There really isn't outside of high school soccer. There really isn't that kind of quote unquote public low cost air entry. And we have to be able to come up with things like that. So it's not talking about getting, you know, getting rid of one way or thinking one way is better. It's just having all of the ways, all of the options, everything that you could possibly, that would work for you as an athlete or work for you as a family. We need to be able to give that to, to kids. That's kind of the future. And therein lies a, a huge priority for us is across all youth sports, as kids get to 12, 13, 14, they drop out. They're not having fun. They don't think they're good enough. They can't play with their friends. And so they move on to something else. We need to be able to create that alternative programming. In today's world, it's less about barriers of if I'm a kid, I want to do something. I want to do it now. As a 13-year-old, I may know that I'm not going to play for my high school, college, or my national team, but I love the game. Yeah. But I don't necessarily want to practice twice a week and play 11 v. 11. So is there opportunities out there to do something else but stay connected to the game? And that's something that we need to kind of get our arms around. And if you look at the youth sport 
kind of complex, if you will. Basketball went 3v3. It's now an Olympic sport. Hockey is going 3v3 pond hockey. That's to, And all of it is to keep mm-hmm. kids connected to the game. Lacrosse is on an upswing around the country, but they're already looking at their kids that are leaving the sport. They've started lacrosse sixes, smaller field, smaller game. And the probably the poster child for that is football. You know, concussion was driving kids away. They came out with flag football. And that's bringing girls into football in droves. Yes, but that's something that we've geeked out quite a bit uh, with flag football, and especially we got to talk with Justin Prettyman, who's of the San Francisco 49ers, and he talked about their investment in, in California, in the Bay Area. You know, again, I think this country is so large. There's so many kids that want to play the game and are currently playing the game that might leave the sport. Why not try and let's see what communities can come up with? You know, I don't think this is a top down paradigm. I think this is something that communities themselves are going to come up with. What's the right programming? You're never going to get rid of the, you know, the the 11 v 11 and the current mix that gets kids into the high school, college, pro national team pathway. But there has to be something else to keep kids engaged. And what that is, again, I think the sky's the limit. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of programming out there, sort of these one offs that we're trying to look at. But again, it, it's are you trying to fit around peg in a square hole or are you going to cut the square hole so the round peg can fit with everybody else? What's something where coach said, hey, we're doing this. And you were just like, you got the opportunity. Yes, I cannot wait to, to hop into this. Knockout was mine. That was my favorite. What was Keepers? Keeper Wars, Keeper Wars, you know, yeah. before Keeper yeah. Wars now is, a, is actually like a, a thing. That's true. You know, we used to go through the Keeper Wars and those were great. Oh, yeah. man. Those were a lot of fun. And to me, you know, obviously as a keeper, anything that involves the keeper, I was, you know, let's go. So, but keeper wars for me, at least was great. But as a field player, you know, the knockouts, you know, all of those things that are just a little bit different than what you would expect from an 11 v 11 scenario. Uh, it just challenges you. It makes you think, it makes you aware, you know, both spatially to see where everybody is and also being able, if you bring multi balls into it, to be able to, you know, that complexity of where, how do I get rid of what's at my feet and what's coming behind me so i mean you know all those sorts of things are just they're just fun i'm gonna uh change the subject a little bit i've got a maybe a uh three-part question two-part we'll say two-part it's a two-part I'll keep for you. I'll, I'll <laughs> no problem. okay so on the show we like to make sure whenever we're talking to someone we're giving the people who are listening like ta- a tangible thing that they could take back so there's org admins listening parents listening maybe athletes listening so of those three groups and you can answer it maybe it's all the same what's one thing that in the next you know before the world cup that each of those groups can do to make sure that when we're the world cup is here and we're ready that we're in our best you know, soccer is at, at its best place or it's at the highest we've ever been. What are things that organizations can do? What are things that parents can make sure that, that their kids are, you know, doing to help Coaches yeah, make sure that the game yeah. is where it needs to be? What would you say from your perspective? You know, if you look at it, let's start with the parents perspective. The best thing the parents can do is twofold. One, learn the game. There are a lot of parents that may not have necessarily played, and so they don't necessarily understand when a referee makes a call or when a referee makes a non-call, that opens the door for them to be able to scream bloody murder. (laughs) And so from a behavioral modification standpoint, we need parents to learn the game, but then take it the next step that don't become the player of the game. And so by that, keep the mouth closed on the field to play, but also on the drive home. 
because a lot of parents take the opportunity on the drive home to become the coach and no player wants to get a monologue from their parent about what they did or what the coach didn't do or, you know, whatever it might say. They think that they're helping, but the reality is they're actually driving their kid away from the game. And so from that standpoint, that's the parent aspect on the coach's side. There's always the pressure to get kids to be the best they can be, but no matter what the coaching discipline is and how they approach their curriculum and their games, it's still a game and they have to be able to keep it fun. So, you know, that side of it, you know, still needs to be able to come out. And I, I look at it from a coaching perspective, you want to be as a coach to be able to look in the mirror and say, you know what, someday in 20 years, when my players are asked, who was the coach that made a difference on my life? Who is it going to be? And am I positioning my practices and my games and my whole relationship with the players to be that coach in their lives? Because it's, again, it's not just on the field, it's what they do off the field. Yeah. You know, so I think between those two, you know, that's really where we can continue to go. Yeah, we talk about it a lot. And we have, I know, with, with other guests on the show about how coaching is, it's so much more than just the time that you have during a game or like directly during practice when you're trying to like teach a skill it's it's oftentimes about like the 15 minutes before practice starts are you engaging with your players are you having conversations with parents as they're dropping those kids off it's the time between games and a tournament are you choosing to spend that time with your your players are you choosing to just kind of go off and do your own thing and i think that part of coaching and that part of like growing your athletes and the relationships that you have are so much, there's so much value to that, that I think oftentimes get, gets missed. Um, you know, when you talk about a, a great coach and, and all of that sort of stuff, which I know we've, we've, we've definitely talked about previously, but it was interesting that you, you brought that up skip and I wanted to just double down on it a little bit more. It's vitally important because if you think about soccer being a microcosm of society, a lot of the skills that we learn on the field, the characteristics that we pull out of the game, we bring to our personal and professional lives. You know, I look at it as a goalkeeper, you know, seeing the field in front of me and being able to direct where our defense goes and how to be able to transition from defense through the midfield into the forwards and position ourselves as the attack comes. The same can be said in business to be able to see in front of you all that's developing with your competition. You know, what are the new trends? How do we react to X, Y, and Z? It's the same kind of training. Um, and then the apl- application of those skills and those characteristics into your day-to-day life. So you're saying goalies are in fact the future. Is that what I'm hearing? <laughs> they rule. Yeah. Yeah. Keepers rule. They're the key to success. Keepers rule. It's perfect. It's it's very validating as a former keeper to hear the head of USU soccer say that my former position is the most important. <laughs> um, I'm just going to pretend like I didn't hear it as a yeah. goalie. Carry on. Carry on. I, I think, you know, that's really... Uh, that's really well said, and I and I appreciate that uh, selfishly as a as a former keeper. But I think um, outside the the parent perspective, when we talk about injecting fun into the game, to make sure that kids are having fun and to not you know overstep your role, what's something that an organization can focus on to make sure that the love of the game, the love of soccer, maybe not even soccer, just the love of their specific game is still healthy and alive. From an organization, you mean like a like a a, cl- a big club that's got teams yeah. across different yeah. you know age groups, gender, that sort of thing. Yes, you know I think it comes down to opportunity. 
you know, again, a lot of clubs, there's a hierarchy that you have the elite players. And then for some clubs, you have the recreational players. And one of the things that we came out with in the last couple of years was this League America concept with the with the thought process that I mean, I hate the term rec player because it's generally preceded by the word just. He's just a rec player. She's just a rec player. And when you do that, you create that hierarchy within your own organization. And so for the kids that are playing at the social, you know, the rec level, sometimes if they don't see that they're ever going to make your first team, you start to disenfranchise them and you, you've created that pathway for them to leave. And so you have to be able to balance that so that every kid feels important, that they've got something that is really vital for the club's growth and development, no matter which team you're playing on. It's a really difficult thing to be able to articulate because, again, you're always going to have the first team and then you're going to have you know the 10th team. But the 10th team still has to get as much, if not more, attention because those are the kids that are going to leave the sport. Hmm. <laughs> let that let that marinate. I, I am. I'm, that's why I'm kind of sitting back and just like this is. It's great to speak with you, Skip, and I think we're very appreciative that you were able to take the time and and, and connect with us. I feel like now is a is a good time as any just to start with our, our this or that. You ready for this so or that segment? Sure. Have you been prepped? Have I'm you been told, practicing? But I've I've not been practicing. <laughs> that's okay. That's okay. We I, I'm, an, I'm coming like in that. as a newbie. We, we like that. Here we go. Okay, so this or that. We got eight questions. Okay. Gut answers only. Got it. No thinking. Zero thinking. I'm good at that. Here we go. Number one, soup or nachos? Soup. To relax, couch or recliner? Couch. Cups in the cupboard. Are they right side up or upside down? Upside down. GIF or JIF? How's it pronounced? JIF. (laughs) Best halftime snack, orange slices or Capri Sun? Orange slices. Are you scoring off a direct kick or a corner kick? Direct kick. Penalty kick score or save for the win? Save, absolutely. Yeah, I, was just, I, was, I was thinking. All right, last one. Let's imagine LeBron James went for soccer at an early age. Where are you placing him on the field? Midfield. Midfield. Oh, I like that, actually. He could run the lengths all day. And he he's can very, run, he can direct, he can. Yeah. Midfield. He's a pass first, too. Like, I can absolutely see that. So what, like... Is it just his stride, his just mental game? Like you said, you said he could direct. Could you, could you go like further in detail with that? You know, I think he's someone that they can see the whole world in front of him and behind him. So the multiversality of that athlete um, allows him to dictate the game, you know, and he, it's one of those that you want him on your offense. You know, he can yep. score, but you also knowing his compassion on the field or actually his focus on the field, defending. I would not want to yeah. be trying to, take, to dribble that ball past him because he will take you out and he'll do it outside the 18. So yeah. as a goalkeeper, I know he's going to take someone's legs, but it'll only be a direct kick. I would have so much confidence being a goalkeeper with, with LeBron back there. Get 11 of like, him, clone yeah. him, we're in good shape. We're 10 we're of them. We're good. Is there, you know, any other words of wisdom, any, you know, I'm actually a sucker for motivational quotes. Um, is there anything that comes to mind that you'd like to, uh, to leave any other final wisdom to impart to our audience? You know, they say soccer is a lifestyle. You know, our vision really is bringing communities together through the power of soccer, making lifelong fans of the game. No matter where your journey takes in the sport, 
stay connected to it because you can become a lifelong fan. And that's where the sport wins. Outstanding. Thank you so much for joining us. Absolutely. Simon, I have a question for you as a completely unbiased, no personal horse in the race, Premier League fan. Are you ready for my question? Sure. You yeah. wonder where this is going? Mm-hmm. Who, who's at the top of the old table right now? I got to know. Yeah, you want to say it with me, dear listener? Manchester City. All together team. now. All uh, together now. Yes. Thank right. you, everyone. Yes. Manchester City is looking to complete their title run again this year. I cannot wait to watch. I mean, I guess you never really know till you know. Uh, but I think there's a few teams, maybe your Spurs being one of them, who might be comfortably in the place that they're in. Yeah, they're good. They're owning fifth and holding that fifth spot down. <laughs> hard and hard and hard and tight. Very good. Uh, what about what about Nottingham? How are they doing? Uh, this is the this is the genius of the last like day of like of the Premier League is because it's not only like the championships, but it's also all these teams fighting, fighting. so hard to stay yeah. means so much to the communities. I'm cheering for Nottingham Forest. I want them to not get relegated. I want them to stay in the Premier League because that fandom, that community, that team is so cool to just like watch. And I can't wait, hopefully, to go someday. Yeah, it always feels like there's storylines and big things happen on the last day. So if you are interested in tuning in, figuring out who's going to win, who's going to get relegated, promoted, the Premier League's grand finale, Championship Sunday, is on May 28th with all teams competing in the last day of the season across 10 matches on the networks of NBC and streaming on Peacock. Manchester City's title race and relegation battle are heating up, so it'll be a very exciting final stretch to the season. I will be tuning in. I know Simon will be in his best Man City garb that I'll send him here shortly. Okay. Rooting us all on to victory. All right, Skip Gilbert. It is always... It's always an interesting little exercise, I think, for us since we do record things in the past. And, and this one particularly has been in the in the backlog for a little bit, um, listening back to it and, and remembering the conversation, but also being like, dang, that was like four. That was that was before you were a dad, Simon. Like, that's kind of crazy. <laughs> like you, you literally didn't have your child yet. I know. <laughs> blissfully unaware like i could just do whatever i just wanted just enjoy life hopping about if i saw a duck in the street and i would be like oh, i could just follow this duck around for a while i have no responsibilities <laughs> yeah, it's uh it's wild it's it's a lot like time traveling i mm-hmm. um it, it's fun to be able to talk to people like skip uh, and having him have the chance to sit down with us and, mm-hmm. and those I mean, really, we were containing our geeks because we were we had to act professionally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had to ask questions. And he just brought so much good energy. He did. He did. Yeah. I mean, uh, when I listen back to the, the, the one piece of this, and I think it's kind of like, especially in soccer, and maybe just because I've been so closely tied to soccer, uh, youth soccer, that is, um, mm. there's kind of this stigma around competitive versus rec. And like, if you do rec, you're, you know, you're not giving your kid the best possible situation or they're not never going to grow or get better if you're you know he said just doing rec he said it's often rec is um talked about with the word just before it, as if it's a lesser or yeah whatever that may be and i i think this kind of ties back to the honesty thing at the beginning if 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 your child loves to play soccer for maybe more of just like the social i want to get out i want to play i want to be with my friends i want to 
be in an environment where I feel like I can really excel and grow and get better. And if that is rec at the time where they're, you know, wanting to make a choice to play whatever sport it ends up being, there is nothing lesser or wrong with playing rec versus a competitive program. That's also not what they're going to play for forever. If they end up really enjoying it and wanting to take that extra step and spend a little bit more time doing it more competitively, great. That's always something that they could do. So I really liked his take on that, especially hearing that from like, the CEO of the biggest, right. <laughs> one of the biggest governing bodies of soccer in the U.S. Like, it's not just someone off the street saying like, "Rec is important." It's right. it's the head honcho. He's, He's the guy, and they're putting in the time and effort to make sure that the programming that they provide uh, to each of the states, and thus all the clubs in each of the states, um, providing Rec players with just as much opportunities and areas for growth as as other leagues. So I thought that was really cool to hear from him. Yeah, hundred percent. Very well said. Uh, I'll try to tie this back to Anski too. He had some great points surrounding, you know, keeping that passion alive for those kids on these teams and limiting burnout mm-hmm. uh, and increasing fun in those organizations. And there's always going to be things that are out of your control. Yeah. Uh, like, you know, people move away, they find a different club, their passion shifts, you know, they want to go somewhere else. But, you know, there are really, if you can be honest with yourself about the program and honest about where can I improve and if experience is one of them, then ensuring that making that experience as beneficial as possible, as enjoyable as possible, is the most important thing. Yeah. Even if soccer doesn't turn out to be their favorite sport, they still come back because it's fun. And they've had that fun memory, you know, that they can just spread to others. I think it, that really resonated with me. Uh, I got to a point where soccer was way too much. I love the game. Yeah. It's just not my favorite sport. And then I focused elsewhere. But I didn't completely riot off. I never got angry. Mm-hmm. It was always a positive experience. Yeah. And that's, it's just something important to, to, to keep in mind and shout out to our coaches who kept that, you know, love mm-hmm. for the game alive and don't take for granted the experience you are providing to these kids. Providing, Yeah. Yeah. It just goes back to like, if someone's not having, if someone's not enjoying it anymore, they're, you know, doing too much mm-hmm. instead of it leading to burnout and then, leaving sport which we know the rate of youth sports athletes burning out and leaving is so high yeah instead of doing that can we provide them with an alternative program that might be a little bit less demanding exactly that still allows them to play the sport and get involved and grow your you know organization all those good things can still happen for them if it's not an all or nothing type thing so we've actually i mean looking back now having the savannah bananas on you know, in the previous episode and having this kind of conversation, it really, it really meshed well together without us even 100%. trying to plan that. So, uh, kudos to us. <laughs> we just nailed that. Nice job. Well done. Uh, and speaking of fun, another fantastic transition, Simon, we're back with a fun game for you. Oh, nice. We haven't done games in a while. Yes. It's been a I'm while. Ready. So what we're going to do on the theme of sports and movies um, these are movies that aren't necessarily sports movies, but they do have sports in them. So we're going to make a little bit of a tie here. Okay. So I'm going to ask you, I've got four questions. All right. Looks like three questions, but then a bonus point at the end for the last one. Okay. All right. I think they get progressively more challenging. So we're going to see what, we're going to see what happens. All right. So question one. Okay. All right. All right. <clears throat> when Forrest Gump joined the army, what sport did he excel oh, at? God. Uh, ping pong, ping pong, <laughs> right? This is. I, I had a thousand miles stare at first. How do you? I was know like, that? Uh, 
back. He played. Uh, yeah, uh. <laughs> the answer is ping pong. Yes. Wow. Wow. I did not expect you to get that. Based on the facial expression he delivered as I was reading it, I was like, there's no way he knows this answer. Um, okay. One point for Simon. On to the next one. And you should definitely know this one. Okay. Because of our minnesota ties and hockey but whatever we'll ask it anyways in 2004 movie miracle which actor plays the role of legendary ice hockey coach herb brooks who leads the u.s team to a gold medal victory at the 1980 winter olympics and for an extra point which i'm just throwing on right now okay. can you give your best impression of one of the scenes from okay. the movie oh boy there's, there's a few i think you could um, go with well first of all big shout out to and to answer this right now kurt russell who plays herb brooks correct um, big shout out to him for investing in learning the Minnesotan accent, and he kind of nailed it. Oh yeah, he nailed you know, it. He, yeah. If you want to learn or hear what Minnesotans sound like, he he got pretty darn close. So, <laughs> um, and you could hear it each time. Mm-hmm. Every time he said "again," mm-hmm. the word "again," the quote that comes to mind is not really family appropriate. If you just went into the if you went into the whole speech, uh, I was gonna be like, I can't really say. It. <laughs> I mean, no. The quote that comes to mind is not family appropriate. Uh, it's the one that's, the bruise on the leg is a long way from the heart, candy ass. <laughs> and there's this huge just back and forth with him and the hockey player. Who are you calling a candy ass? I'm a hockey player. I'm a hockey player. I am a hockey player. <laughs> uh, okay, good stuff. I'll do my best. Uh, okay, here we go. He's on the line. He's got a whistle in hand. Yeah, here we go. Again. Again. <laughs> That's the best I can do in this situation. That's pretty, that's pretty good. Yeah. All right. All right. You're two, two for two. Question three. During a pivotal scene in an iconic 1997 movie, main characters Will and Sean discuss skipping game six of the 1975 World Series between the Cincinnati Reds and the Boston Red Sox to go on a date with a girl. What is the name of the movie? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> there are some context clues in there. I would key in on Boston. Boston. And key in on the main characters, Will and Sean. Okay. Uh, Will and Sean and Boston. And like, w- like I believe it won an o- like Oscar Best Picture in '97. Um, Amazing movie. I would put it in my like top five. Uh, oh wait. Uh, okay, hang on. Good Will Hunting. There you go. Yep. Good Will Hunting. Yes. I probably gave you too many clues, but that's no, okay. I appreciate it. Sorry, thank Joe. You, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Very helpful. Thank you for the clues. Okay, and so this this seems unlikely that you're going to get it, but I've been surprised before. Mm-hmm. So here we go. For a bonus point, what is the name or nickname of the player who hit the walk-off home run for the Red Sox? Oh. He has a great nickname. Oh, my gosh. Is the in, comment that was left with this. I don't, I've never heard of this person before, so. In 96? That I imagine it's a real, um, in the 1975 oh, World okay, Series. Okay, okay. So it'd be a 75. Carl, yeah. Carl Yastrzemski? Am I making up names? What? You were Carl? shockingly close on the first name, but add a fresh Prince of Bel-Air Car- Carlton. twist on it. <laughs> yeah. Carlton Fisk. Yes, there you go. How do you know these things? <laughs> my my brain blown. is filled with just useless knowledge that just comes out in really weird yes. times. <laughs> do you know his nickname? No. Pudge. Pudge, Pudge Fisk. <laughs> Cute, cute Pudge. That's perfect. <laughs> so there you go. Um, How's it going? That's it. Those are the questions. I would say they were like a good, yeah, a healthy amount of stumping, but still allowing you to get to the right answers. You know, you love that very well. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So awesome. 
Thank you. Thank you to our full-time employee, Joe. That's great. Let's, uh, let's dive on this one. This has been another episode of For the Love of Sport, brought to you by Sports Engine, the home of you sports. As always, feel free to send us out an email at ftlospod at nbcuni.com. We love hearing from you guys, so please don't shy away with any questions. Sending us, uh, give us a topic, a this or that. If you want to be in the podcast, if you just want to shoot us a little quick email, you know, whatever you have. Just shoot us a little note. We'll bring you on. Yeah, we'll, we'll bring you on. Um, and a huge thank you to obviously our team behind the scenes who make all of this happen, allow Simon and I to hop on here and do a little jibber jabber as we have now deemed ourselves the yeah i think i'm the jibber and you're the jabber for like sure we'll get shirts made <laughs> cheers to our team kelsey Irwin, our marketing uh manager joe brazonic our newly promoted uh producer on the back end and of course the amazing sound engineer troy stone so we will be back in a few weeks with another episode we will uh see you then see you again soon bye Is there such a thing as a traveler? Not a Delta, because we know on one flight, Mike in 8C prefers reality TV to reality. So we provide more than 1,000 hours of in-flight entertainment. While on the flight after, 8C is occupied by Jen, whose favorite snack is tea. That's why we provide fast, free Delta Sync Wi-Fi available for SkyMiles members, because at Delta, we know. Refill? Everyone flies their own way. Delta, keep climbing. Free Wi-Fi available on most domestic flights. Terms of use apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.